Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, I spoke to composer Gavin Brevik about his work on how to blow up a pipeline. It's great to meet you, and thanks for uh, for doing this, inviting me to your podcast. No, I, I'm so excited. I saw the movie um, earlier this week, and I was just, I mean, I was really excited when it came out um, in Toronto, but obviously don't live in Toronto, so can't. Of course. But, um, so I was just, I've heard such amazing things about it, and I just think it's such a revolutionary film in terms of um, the story it's trying to tell, and um, I, I, I just, I think it was, it, it's just amazing, and I think the the cast is outstanding. The, I mean, what you did was outstanding. I, I, I just think it's a, a wonderful film, and I mean, oh, just thank you so much. No, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I mean, how does it feel to have, I mean, this film sort of out in the world now, and um, sort of making its way out um, to larger audiences? It, I mean, honestly, I was so close to this film that just throughout the entire process of working on it, I lost a lot of perspective of our work. So just even from the TIFF reception was just crazy, like mind blowing. Like, like it's sometimes, I guess like I've just gauged my expectations always. Like, you know, I, I felt like we all did some of our best work. So I was really proud of us as individual artists. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, just with the reception at TIFF and then now it coming out in theaters and like it's been getting just such like universally great reviews is just really overwhelming. Like it, it's, you know, like I think it's just it's, you know, I'm I was just happy it came out and, and the <laughs> fact that it's resonating with so many people, it's just super rewarding, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, to actually see um, there be. I mean, actual change or not change, but there's actual sort of things happening in the end of that. Oh yeah, I love that. Like I'm all for that. I I've seen. I'm sure you've seen like the FBI stuff. Yeah. Which is funny because I showed the movie. I'm from Kansas City originally. No way. So so Neon did this thing where they kind of wanted a lot of us department heads to go back to our hometown and screen the film for you know our local community. And so I went back to Kansas City and the like right as they announced the screening in Kansas City, that's when there was like a local law enforcement announcement in Kansas City, like the Kansas City Intelligence Agency issued a terror threat for our movie because there's a huge oil pipeline in downtown Kansas City. So they're like, you know, let's up law enforcement and make sure nobody tries to go and sabotage this. But it's just... I love I love that you know I can't deny that I love that the movie is legitimately stirring the pot and making this a conversation that I really think needs to happen you know mm. yeah no it, it and that's amazing I my family is from Kansas yeah, um, yeah. what and part small little town called Alma so it's in between Manhattan and um, Topeka so oh wow okay yeah but yeah, so it that's very interesting. I mean, Kansas City is obviously a bit more progressive than most of Kansas. So sure, uh, but so. I, I had friends, you know, from all from all parts of Kansas, and I'd been to Topeka, and I, and when I was in uh, I mean, I've been to Manhattan to visit college friends and and like all that. But yeah, 
I totally, that's why I was worried when we screened it in Kansas. Cause I was worried like some crazies from that part of town would drive out. You know, yeah. I was like worried that like the raw, like those types of insane people from like the small towns would drive out to like protest the film or something. And thankfully that didn't happen. But I, I, I just was, you know, that is kind of the thing you have to consider with any of the, with the, those parts of the country, you know? Mm, no, absolutely. And I mean, ultimately, how were you approached for the project? So this is the second collab I've had with this director. And so we, we're just, fr- we, we worked on cam together and then we just became friends after that, honestly, uh, during COVID, we were in like a quarantine bubble together and we would play Super Smash Bros and Mario Party and just smoke a bunch of weed and talk about our dread. And, you know, on it. So during COVID, Danny wrote the script with Ariella and Jordan and the whole writing team. And so as the idea was brewing, I had been hearing about it just from a friend's perspective. Like I knew that he was working on this. I didn't know if it was going to get financed. I didn't know all the extent of the scope of the project. So once it got to a stage where Danny was bringing on collaborators, I pitched him like, like, to be honest, like, I think he initially thought about working with a, a lot of new people after cam, like we were close friends and he, and we loved each other's work, but I understand sometimes that so, there's like very different styles with, with directors like some of them want to work with different people each movie some of them bring on the same team so I think uh, Danny wasn't sure if I was interested and I wasn't sure if he was interested in working with me again like obviously we're friends and and nothing would come between us and so when he kind of he approached me asking if I was interested I was like oh yeah dude like no doubt and then I pitched him the idea of me going to the production and recording actual oil drums and pipes to, to for like a massive part of our score material. So all the drums and percussion could be giant oil drums and, and pipes like that. Mm. So you were really in it from the beginning of it all because in some totally. instances you can just get the, the film at the end and just have to score it based off of what's already been shot. But um, no, that's amazing that you had the opportunity to to, I mean, just be in it from the get-go. And yeah, how how did that inform? I mean, do you enjoy doing it like that? Do you prefer it one way or the other in terms of getting a completed film and you going about it? Or just um, do you like sort of being in it from the the ground up and taking it from there? See, that's a great question. I I love being in it from the ground up. And it's it's very non-traditional for composers to work this way. So I I think there's definitely been examples of it. um, And I I think hopefully it can become more prevalent. But I I think this is how you build a more cohesive score that feels more grounded in the film. So the way we worked was they were writing the script. I was reading drafts of it. And then I read the source book that I was all based off of. And then I flew out to the set and recorded oil drums while they were shooting. So, you know, they would be shooting on location one. And then me and my percussionist friend, Morgan, would be on location two. So we would always, you know, you didn't want to make too much noise while they were shooting. And then I flew home after like three days of sampling and wrote almost an entire album 
worth of material truly just inspired by the feeling of being on set, the feeling of the book and the script. So I had this entire album of tracks and I would send, and I sent those all to the editor so that once the editor started assembling the film, excuse me, once the editor started assembling it all, they could use those tracks as like a temporary score as placeholders to kind of um, avoid any sort of temp music or any, you know, so it was truly just my music. And that process allowed us to, at a really early stage to figure out what was working and what wasn't working, you know? So we, we would be like, wow, this music is too aggressive. It's, it's not highlighting this sort of feeling, but it's working in these scenes, but not these scenes. So we, I, I guess I was getting really quick feedback, which is really rare. And so I, I basically worked on the score for nine months, which is crazy for a film composer. You're, you're right. Like we usually just come in at the end and I think there's different reasons that both can work. I think one thing that made this film, one reason I thought this process worked super well is that the director and I had already worked together and had a relationship. So there was this comfortability and trust that like he knew what I, he he allowed me to just be very creative and and just write and be inspired while I could see working with the first time, like if it was the director and I's first collaboration, there's so much of a language we need to learn. So I could see it being a, a more tricky process in that way, you know? Yeah. And I'm curious, I mean, in regards to temp music, and I, I just, I find temp music to be just such an interesting, I don't know. I, yeah. I just, can you explain, I mean, to I mean, I understand it, but can you sort of put it into perspective to people who may not understand like what temp music is and what like what you're trying or what what is there and then what you're ultimately replacing at the end? Of course, yeah. So temp music is the bane of most composers' existences. <laughs> it, it, essentially, it's kind of a slightly modern thing that kind of came with digital editing software so essentially um when an editor is editing a film most of the time there is no composer brought on yet the editor will work for a period with just the director and during this period they're trying to figure out what the tone of the music is maybe what instruments they want to use what's the genre what's the tempo and pacing you know so that what they do is they take tracks from other scores whether it be like a Hans Zimmer track from Interstellar or Hilder's score from The Joker or Mika Levy from Under the Skin these are all ones I get all the time so they take these other tracks from other scores and they put them into the scene as a placeholder to kind of give you the mood and they use these temp scores a lot of the times for test screenings with audiences or friends and family to try to see if that gets any feedback there could be a thing where they they like a big movie studio like marvel might not hire the composer till after a few test screenings and they might have a bunch of tracks in there and during those test screenings the audiences might be rubbing against the music they could be like it's too distracting or the music wasn't very it was very bland or the music didn't you know there there could be like some feedback and so that that could kind of inform them to replace it with different tr- temp tracks or or it could be 
more subconscious like what why does it seem feel really slow like maybe a lot of the test screening people were writing this whole second act was really slow and I felt bored and sometimes the studio execs and the directors might be like what if we put in more faster paced music and they, and that can also kind of relate to the edit like if we edit a little quicker and you know so it kind of informs a lot of um people's just initial reactions and even if it's not for test screening uh temp score can also just help the director and the producers hire the right composer because maybe they start using a bunch of one composer's tracks and it's fitting really nicely so then they might just hire that composer that happens all the time and then the composer has to compete with their own self like the, there's a lot of quotes of composers hating when their music is the temp because they feel like they have to repeat themselves and they can't break out from like a past score so obviously with this like obviously uh, there's a thing that happens with temp and they call it temp love which which a lot of people have heard of which is the director the producer the editor they've listened and watched the the edit so many times with these uh temporary tracks these placeholder tracks that they grow so attached to it and it starts feeling like a part of the the movie so when an actual composer is brought on they're kind of straddled to imitate what's already there and it takes away a lot of creative freedom because the composer could have come up with an idea that was totally unexpected and could have you know really elevated the film or or brought out something another dimension that that nobody could have imagined had they not been told to imitate the temp or even have heard the temp so it becomes like a creative blocker for a lot of us. I mean, for me, when I watch a film and it's tempt really well, it kind of just kills my spirits because I know there's also this thing where it's like, oh, it's working so well with this music and I can just tell that they've edited to the music. So I, I'm like almost stuck to copy the exact pacing of it. And, you know, I, I get its purpose, but, it, but when the film like how to blow up a pipeline, I think it shows you the power of like what it, what a composer, director, editor relationship can be without temp. And I think another like the most famous example of that is is Chris Nolan, who's who's publicly said that he doesn't use temp. And a lot of the times Hans or Ludwig would write suites that they they literally I kind of got this same idea from the Chris Nolan collaborations with Hans where they would write a lot ahead of the edit and then edit to the tracks and then you know so it just and people you know always reference those scores and people call some of those scores the best scores and it's kind of the same with John Williams where he would write these suites and melodies and then Spielberg would edit sometimes or, or change the edit to the music to fit it better and I think that's like the true collaborative spirit which is that the editor and the director and the composer are fluidly changing their craft to enhance each other and and so obviously it's not always that case if anything it's very rare for that to happen so i feel super lucky that i got to do it this way you know yeah no i i and thank you for explaining all of that and in such detail because i think it i think it's important to i mean just acknowledge and sort of um 
speak more openly about because it it is a such a detriment and to to collect like to true collaboration at the end of the day so um mm. I, I appreciate that and I'm actually seeing a a preview screening this weekend of something so I'll definitely be um looking out for that now in terms of um how it changes from from this particular screening to when it actually gets released so um you know some some directors who some directors are really clever though they'll put in temp that they know that they don't really love but it like it does just enough so that they like I work with one director who does temp a lot but he's really good about putting in stuff that's like that does just the bare minimum of what it needs to do but it's mm. not something that they'll be attached to mm. so I think there's like it just depends on the personality of a director but yeah I mean I'm not trying to ripe about it I, I i don't know if you've ever watched any of those hollywood reporter roundtables yeah I, I think there is a composer one i don't want to call out any names but there's just straight up like 10 minutes of the whole composer roundtable just being absolutely livid about temp music it was it was hilarious but it was i could like feel their pain because i've never worked on massive studio movies like they all have so mm -hmm. i can only imagine it gets worse the higher up because you have more chefs cooks in the kitchen whatever and you have more money that's invested so there's more at stake you know i get it yeah, yeah. no i i it's fascinating um and once again i i just have to thank you for going into that because yeah it, hopefully i wasn't too long of a rant you know I didn't lose no no i think i i like i said i think it's important to actually have that conversation um but I mean, in regards to, I mean, going out to New Mexico and I mean, besides some of the stuff that you've already spoken about, I mean, in other interviews, I'm wondering what were some other sort of nuggets that you were able to, I mean, just glean from the, I mean, the surroundings that, that you were in? Yeah, um, we got some really, we did a lot of like stuff with cacti. Um, we like put up microphones and like pluck the cactus needles and that created some really wild sounds. I mean, a lot of stuff was too weird for the score or I had to maybe add a lot of effects, but um, another cool thing with sometimes is just watching like sampling aside, sometimes just watching scenes like that was my first time on a movie production like I'm like you know at my core I'm just a fan like I just love movies yeah. like I I'm so lucky I work in movies but like a lot of us I just love it from a craft and I I never seen like the actors working in that way and I never really had seen the whole setup of a mat of like a bigger production yeah. so it was just really cool for me to watch them work and and then I remember the scene that I was there for and I remember and it's just so interesting to see it in person versus like when you see it on the big screen and so for me it kind of gave me a lot of inspiration of feeling out the actors styles because you I mean like anybody when you read a book or if you read a script your brain is saying the lines and you're interpreting the, the pauses and the spacing. And so sometimes when you hear another person do it, it's just a completely unexpected way that kind of re-energizes your creativity. I, I found that with Pipeline. Like I read it so different than the actors played it. 
and I I think that they just brought it. It just shows you why I'm not an actor and like, you know, <laughs> but I, so I, I think all the cool sampling aside, I found a lot of benefit to just watching actors and, and, the, and Tahila's cinematography and seeing the dailies. So I found that process to also kind of inform how I was going to use those oil drum samples and, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that. And I mean, in terms of the variety of characters that you have, I mean, they all are in, they all have a very similar mission. Um, well, not similar, the same mission to totally, do totally, yeah. But I mean, they all have such different paths and ways that they're coming to this. And um, I'm just wondering what, how were, how did you sort of build the score based off of the characters? Yeah, great question. Um, so we we initially started off with thinking that each character would have a theme. The problem with that approach is it would work really well in a mini series where there's like yeah. eight eight to ten hours, but this is just an hour and a half or something, and there's eight characters. It's just way too much. It doesn't give you enough time to truly develop each theme and make it memorable. So we created one overarching melody, and then used various instrumentation to kind of highlight each character so um the most stereotypical one would be like Dwayne um the West Texas guy having some acoustic guitars and playing more homage to the western genre um with Michael every time Michael's wiring the bomb we use these crazy time stretched oil drums and I think there wasn't a lot of the time there wasn't any there wasn't always a specific reason what, why we put a certain instrument for some people like for Michael it became like a theme that Michael was going to be wiring the bomb in two big scenes and there's like this very tense um close-up cinematography so we kind of made that a theme of like the bomb wiring theme or it was um as like the like the film starts a lot more synthy and kind of more fun and and 70s heist thriller and then i think towards the end we incorporated a lot more of the oil drum sound so it became grittier and more edgy as the film progressed so i think we use one one melody that kind of reoccurs every time and then we kind of shifted from more synthy tangerine dream you know vangelis vibes to the last half being really gritty, uh, aggressively distorted oil drum samples. So I think we thought about it more as an overall like act structure and, and one theme that kind of develops rather than kind of like a leitmotif individual character. I, I honestly love, I it could be a great miniseries. I mean, honestly, it could have been awesome to build out each character a bit more and create yeah. a theme but you know it, it worked I think it worked better the way we did it for a short form you know yeah shorter um, form yeah yeah no I, I it's just it's fascinating because I mean you are it is such a short film really when you I mean the fact the fact that it is an hour and 47 minutes but it's also very fast-paced in the sense totally. that, I mean it's you're blowing up a pipeline so it's yeah. not like you're you're getting very like direct to the point very quickly so um totally but it would have been I, I it would be interesting to 
to have seen it. And who knows, maybe one day they'll do a miniseries on the on the uh on the book and yeah, really yeah. Go out but no, I, I completely agree with you there in terms of the um I mean just with what you had to say. So I and it's it's just incredible. I mean I I'm I always geek out with composers because I I I think I was telling someone um like I like the only musical like note I can play is metal C on a piano and that's probably <laughs> Um, I mean, you could set a cool sample to that. I, I saw on your podcast that you interviewed Joe Shirley, who I yeah. love. I met Joe at WonderCon, and I love Joe's music. And I know, I know that like it's interesting because I I see that like you, you've interviewed so many people in different departments, and no matter how you know how similar our jobs will be, the process to which we do it is just so dramatically different. And so I think it can always be interesting to kind of see how we approach it. Cause I'm sure if Joe had to score how to blow up a pipeline and I had to score Mandalorian, it would just be like wildly different. And I think that that's, what's fun about like the craft and kind of finding our routes to approaches and, you know. Yeah. And I mean, with him, it, it's interesting because I mean, he does have that, that IP driven stuff. So, I mean, you have the, the star Wars, the, um, oh, I can't so it's kind of like how how do you get away from that but also make it unique in and of itself so that's like um, the most challenge that sounds literally like the scare like I think the two scariest franchises are Star Wars and anything Lord of the Rings related or maybe Harry Potter if they're apparently they're doing that series now it's like anything uh, that's like that that meant a lot to people as children I just don't even want to touch I'm just scared yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to be, I don't want to let people down, you know, I, yeah, so I get, there's just, that's a whole thing, I mean, I hope, I'm very hopeful, and I hope I'm lucky enough to be, to have that challenge one day, you know, but I, yeah. I, I imagine the weight of, the the pressure of not letting fans down sounds really intimidating. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I've spoken to a few Marvel people, and I'm just like, I don't, I wouldn't touch it, you couldn't pay me, I just, I, so it, much anxiety it, yeah too much too much for me um but i mean in our final few minutes i mean sure. what do you what do you take away from this um i mean just this sort of moment in your career um and i mean what is next for you so i think i think what i took away is i think i found the process and the style of music that is comes most natural to me one I think this process was the most fulfilling thing. And if I could do something like this on every score, I'd be the happiest person. If I could travel to set and record found sounds and make that a staple of my process, I would be literally the happiest artist. And I think for, and I'm also really lucky with this movie because it really was a style of music I've always, that that's like really I'm really passionate about it. You know, I'm, I, I love synthesizers. I love found sound recordings. I love kind of the being, I love being writing within a genre film because I think it allows you to uh, be a little extra with the music. Like, you know, there's like this, there's this knowledge that you're going into a genre film. And I think there's a history of genre cinema that allows for us to to play with expectations, but also make the music pretty wildly bombastic it's a loud score you know and, and so yeah. i'm lucky i'm lucky that 
this was the film that I got to do that with. So um, yeah, I would love to imitate this process. And then the next thing I'm working on is with the same director, it's the Faces of Death um, film that's coming up with Daniel Goldhaber. And uh, we're doing like the same thing. I've been recording on set in New Orleans. Um, I recorded a lot of, I can't, I don't know what I can say. So all I'll say is that I recorded a lot of crazy found sounds and I think the score could even be crazier than than how to blow up a pipeline. But so I feel like the a very lucky person that I have collaborators who allow me to be myself and to also not be scared of of breaking traditions. Because not to rant too much, I know we're almost out of time, but I do find that some people. I just think that like some filmmakers are so scared of music. You know, and I get the aesthetic, I get the subtlety, but it's pretty fun. And audience, I mean, I mean, I love when a filmmaker takes a big swing or tries to be bold with something. So I've just been very, very thankful that I work with somebody who allows me to, you know, take some pretty big chances and do some unconventional things. Yeah. No, and that that's amazing that you are able to do that because, like you mentioned, it's not common practice. So it's not, it's not. And my favorite composers are the ones also doing this type of thing. And and so I hope that like, I think we're on the verge of a new movement. I think like you know I think there are more filmmakers who are interested in this type of process. And I think across the board we're breaking traditions in a lot of ways. So I'm hopeful that the future allows for a lot more experimentation and taking bigger swings with just genre and film and casting and everything so that we're not so tied to tradition. Like not to say that there isn't a lot of great things about that, but I, I feel very thankful that we are in a time where How to Blow Up a Pipeline was a completely independent film. Like I had no producer notes. Like I was just working with the with the filmmakers like Ariella, Danny, Daniel, Jordan. And, and so it's like, I really was, we just like created what we wanted to create. And I think people like it. And like, we just keep seeing that in cinema where people just create, took a chance and it does well. So I, I just hope that continues, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, I completely do see this sort of, or the the films that I'm being more drawn to now are more off of like off of the radar and off the cuff because you can see I mean there are probably a hundred films a year that are all somewhat the same in terms of the plot and but totally. there's thousands of other ones that are completely sort of I don't know insane and um, I mean just seeing the slate of films coming out this year I'm I'm very excited to to see how that continues to grow, especially in the, in the indie space, because um, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of great talent in there and, um, and to sort of, I don't know, unpack and, and just revel in. I totally agree. And hopefully, you know, it seems like you're getting a lot of the cool collaborators on your podcast. And, and again, thank you so much for having me. And, and um, I definitely will like check out some of the other episodes. There's a lot of people I really want to hear from on your, on your show. Oh, no, thank you. That that means a lot. It's been a it's been a labor of love that was a pandemic project that just is now 
I don't know what it is, but it, it, it's, I get to meet people like you. And I mean, it's, it's amazing because I would have never had that opportunity two, three years ago. Thank you all for listening. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jackson Vickery. Graphics were done by Dylan Michael. And the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky.